Welcome to the audio-only version of this week's pop-up submission show. I hope you enjoy it. We love you to join us for the live show on YouTube every Sunday at 5pm UK time. YouTube.com slash Litopia. We are, as you probably know, the live weekly show on which anything can happen and very probably will in the course of the next six minutes. And what we're aiming to do, of course, is to find the next big writing blockbusters on the show live. And you can play your part if you're in our genius room right now. Let me uh, introduce you to my two guests today. He's the award-winning author of more than 30 books for children and one of the first patrons of reading in the UK for the very first time on Pop-Ups, it's John Doherty. Hi. And he's been described as more handsome than Brad Pitt and wittier than Oscar Wilde. But I think that was his mum who said that. Please welcome back Litopia's very own John Duffy. And what do we have here? Oh. Well, you've got a review already, because we review your manuscripts. It's only fair, really, that you review our show. This is from Mark. I cannot thank you enough, says Mark, for your comments and reviewing my sample. Sample writing, your comments and suggestions have been very helpful. Good. Pleased to hear that. That's, that's music to our ears, that is. And certainly will improve my future books. Great. Thank you so much again. Thank you, Mark. Very much appreciate that. And um, oh, to today's authors, very good luck, obviously. But have you got any comments on the show? Send them to us, please. That's the only way we learn. Now let's see who is wearing the big sexy smile so far this month. Mr. Sexy smile. Okay, now it's uh, it was one heck of a show to begin the month with, and I think actually the first three um, items on the leaderboard so far: Dogs of London, Black and Rose Industria, by Madarika Cage and SM Wurzy were actually all on that show so that was a hell of a show actually in terms of um high scores who knows maybe we're going to beat that this show if we do beat it then there will be major consequences for the author who wins this month's high score and um i think it might be a good idea at this point to tell you about something that's coming up live here on latopia in two weeks' time. Someone's got to say it. A lot of writing courses and seminars out there are horrifically overpriced. Litopia's writing seminars deliver practical knowledge you can use at an unbeatable price. Learning the tricks of the trade shouldn't cost a fortune. Litopia's writing seminars give you what you need to know without fleecing you. Yeah, it's the very first time we've done done this, and as you can tell, it's a, it's a fraction of the price of anything else out there. Actually, some writing seminars and courses, I think, are just diabolically expensive. Um, and we've picked this subject of blurbs because it is something that a lot of authors, and dare I say, a lot of publishers too, have a lot of trouble with. So if you're interested in that, just go to litopia.com slash blurb book now. Places are very short supply. Um, let's have a look at our very first submission of the day. And this comes from Paul. It's YA Dark Fantasy. I fancy that. And it's called Academy for the Damned. Hmm. 17-year-old Dylan Kincaid, along with other teenagers from all parts of the world, finds himself abducted and waking up in a perfect facsimile of his bedroom 
thousands of miles away from his home, a prisoner in a nefarious institution where ESP abilities are cultivated, and the students are menaced by monsters from other dimensions. Kincaid must overcome a mental block to unleash a powerful ESP talent and save the world from invasion by a demon, ut Ulyssera. <laughs> and his hordes. Sorry, I nearly threw up saying that. And his hordes. Right, let me tell you about our author. Uh, this is Paul. Uh, I'm a 62-year-old student studying for a doctorate at Oxford Brookes University. Well done. Good luck. Uh, in the analysis of autism, I am autistic through visual artistic constructions. Not entirely sure what that is, but it sounds fascinating, actually. Um, I have a BA in creative writing from the Manchester Metropolitan University and a master's in creative writing at Bratton Hall College in Yorkshire. Who am I too, too, is the literary novelist Robert Watson. I've written three novels, as yet unpublished, and this is my fourth novel. My literary sources are the cosmic horror of Howard Phillips. Um, sorry, Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Just one. I was wondering who who is Howard Phillips? It's HP, HP Lovecraft. And the YA thrillers of Brandon Sanderson and Neil Shusterman. I want to write a YA blockbuster like The Hunger Games, The Maze Runner, Divergent, and Twilight. I believe Academy for the Damned is that novel. Well, you need a an extremely good narration, don't you, to give you a good send-off here, Paul. And we got one from Jeff. Academy of the Damned by Paul, read by Jeff. Academy of the Damned, Chapter 1. Dylan Kincaid woke from a deep sleep filled with nightmares. He wasn't able to open his eyes, and his head felt like a lump of stone. His tongue was a huge piece of rubber in his mouth. He lay for several minutes, unable to move. Why did he feel so groggy? Finally, his eyelids parted, he looked up at the ceiling. But something at the back of his mind, some memory that flitted away from him when he tried to retrieve it. He felt the memory was important, but try as he might, it eluded him. With an effort, Dylan managed to sit up. The room whirled about him, and he felt he was on a spinning carousel. He blinked his eyes and shook his head. The spinning came to a stop, and he managed to swing his legs out of the bed onto the floor. Dylan stood up and promptly collapsed as his legs gave way under him. What had happened to him? He felt as if he had been drinking all night and woken with the mother of all hangovers. Dylan struggled upright and managed to stagger into his bathroom and peered at himself in the mirror above the sink, seeing that his pupils were pinpoints. Turning on the cold tap, he splashed water onto his face. Next, he filled a glass with water and drank the entire contents. His tongue felt less alien. He brushed his teeth. Dylan felt a lot better. The mugness in his head was starting to pass. He shook his head again. He downed another glass of water and decided to shower. Dylan no longer felt quite so unsteady on his feet. He turned the shower lever towards the red and the water exploded out the shower head and he put in tentative fingers to feel the temperature of the water droplets. Then he stepped into the shower. The room rapidly filled with steam and the hot droplets hitting his skin felt good. He raised his face to the ceiling and allowed the water to stream deliciously over his face. Taking a bar of soap from the dish at the side, he started lathering his chest. 
While washing himself, he noticed there was a red mark on his lower left arm and a large bruise on his thigh. The one on his thigh was very tender and hurt when he poked it. It bled slightly. Where did these marks come from? He couldn't remember hurting himself. Dylan was baffled. After the shower, he dried himself and drew back on his shorts. It was time to greet the new day. Dylan left the bathroom and strode to the window and pulled back the curtains. He got the shock of his life. What? he cried. Instead of the neatly groomed garden of his parents' house and the houses of the neighbours beyond, he saw a vast courtyard and skirting that, a huge wall stretching as far as Dylan could see. There were towers every so often along the wall. He saw white figures looking like the stormtroopers from Star Wars films striding about near the wall. It wasn't possible. He wheeled around and looked at his bedroom. This was his bedroom. Beside his bed was the signed, framed poster of Billy Eilish. Next to it was a poster of the Avengers Endgame. His bookcase, digital radio, computer, bed, bedside table, bedside lamp. He shook his head violently. He turned and looked again outside his window. The setting had not changed. The expanse of concrete and high forbidding wall and its watchtowers. Was he going mad? Then the memories came spilling back. What he had supposed were nightmares, as he had woken, and had faded as he regained consciousness, they were all back now and vivid. He had been on his way to college and had been walking to the bus stop. Out of the crowd of people, a tall, thin, middle-aged black woman with her dark hair speckled with grey had emerged and approached him. Hmm, okay, so let's go straight to the genius room and see what their reactions... I mean, this is right at the heart of pop-up submissions, really. These are the people who will be your best friends, but they'll also be your worst critics, you know. And uh, I know nothing on the internet, even remotely like this. The glory of the genius room is right there in front of you, Paul. So please, if you, you know, if you're watching us live, that's great. But if you're watching the recording, you just stop it right now and just read what everyone's saying. I'll pick out a few things here. Um... Yeah, and he says, sorry, I'm like, <laughs> Vagabond says, Blurb was nice until the unpronounceable name. Yeah. Um, the prisoner opening concept says SM Wersey. Galadriel, like the first half of the Blurb, second half reminds me of a program on TV at the moment. I can't think of what it's called. Galadriel goes on to say, Kafka's metamorph metamorphosis. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know the word I'm trying to say. Um, and Terry says something interesting the kidnapping of gifted teenagers who live in the bedroom that are facsimiles of our own is how Stephen King's The Institute starts. Then one or two other people are saying, yeah, it does sound a little bit derivative. Johnny, Johnny, what did you make of that? Yeah, I would agree with some of those comments. Um, I felt that the shower and the sort of waking up is a bit overdone. And I think he maybe could have cut through that a bit sooner to get to some more of the actual, you know, the action that he finally discovers that he's been sort of abducted or teleporter or something's happened to him to take him to this strange institute um, the thing struck up it, 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 maybe it was Jess reading and, and two things but an awful lot of sentences early on started off with the protagonist's name Dylan Dylan yeah. Dylan sounded like a gong going after a while and I think <laughs> it, it, it could do with a little sort of little edit there maybe to take some of that back 
Um, yeah. But when it when it did get to the the main you know the main sort of the, the turning point of the story, he, he, we found out that he wasn't at home. It started getting interest, but but for me, I think we could have dispensed with maybe the first page, first page and a half to get to it a little bit quicker. That could have been yeah. condensed. Well, I think um, that's right. So yeah. I thought the writing was fine. I enjoyed you know the writing was fine. I think the story sets up well. If a tad you know familiar perhaps uh-huh. to certain different stories sound a little bit similar um yeah. but there's definitely something there i think to be to work with okay that's great thank you very much johnny uh, press your vote button yeah i will yeah and then we can see the numbers you've given now let's see what were your first reactions to that john wow um I mean, the first thing I noticed was what uh, Johnny was talking about, the number of sentences that started with Dylan. Yeah. And when you add to that the number of sentences that started with he or the number mm. of sentences that started with the shower or the water, it began to feel very repetitive. It, it, I don't think it would take much to tweak that writing to make it much more compelling, but um, it... I, th- I thought I thought the blurb was great. The blurb really yeah. had me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I mean, you know, I'm giving the blurb five because that describes oh, really? a book that I would definitely oh, give the time oh, fantastic. to. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Have you press your vote but, button because I want to I want to see those numbers on the screen. Okay. Um, it is a there bit of go. a mashup. It is a bit of a mashup. It does. Um, it does sort of. I don't know if it borrows directly, but it, there are certainly tropes in there that we've come across before. Do you think that's necessarily bad? Um, what the the tropes that we've seen before? Yeah. No, I don't. I, I absolutely think that you can um, come up with all kinds of stuff that's been done before and make it refreshing. I mean, the obvious um, obvious example is Harry Potter. You know, yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, been done before. Which totally, you know, magical totally. boarding schools have been yeah. done before? There's yeah. all kinds. Of, you know, the the chosen child, the evil one, yeah. uh, the the child left with neglectful relatives it's you know so many things there have been done before and yet the way roland did it is completely fresh and i think it's completely possible to do that um i don't think any of the elements were wrong but i i just wasn't convinced with how how it was carried off yeah Um, okay you know i think the writing needs a lot more polish that read to me very much like first draft yeah, and I I kind of lost interest really when he was soaping himself in the shower. I don't I don't need to yeah. see all that detail really, especially on the first page. Yeah. First, first I think page. The reason, is, go on. Sorry, I think the reason for that, the reason for the shower scene was for the the marks on his arm. Yeah, but you could have right. gone to those much more quickly, and you yeah. got, could have got to them with much more impact. That's the thing, yeah. you know, the sort of he noticed some red marks on his arm. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes I notice red marks. Uh, you know, I've, oh, I've been in the garden. I've bumped. You know, I've been gardening and I've bumped myself oh. with the rig. You know, um, you've been abducted too. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's always possible. Is this really yeah. my house? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's just you know all all the ideas were there. I just don't what wasn't convinced by how they were how they yeah. were conveyed to us. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, so as far as Paul is uh, concerned. Um, some advice, please. Uh, still saying with you, John. Uh, advice. He wants to write a YA blockbuster like Hunger Games and so on and so on and so on. I mean, a lot of people do want to do that. Um, yeah. Best possible advice you can give them? Well, um, I mean, my standard advice to anybody, and I'm sure that in, in this case, t- teaching grandma to suck eggs, but 
read what you want to write. You know, if you yeah. want to, if you want to yeah. write a new Hunger Games, read yeah. the Hunger Games and see how it is that Suzanne Collins draws you into the story. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and and not just the Hunger Games. Read all the stuff that people say. Yeah. This is extraordinary. This is, yeah. uh, you know, this this is very much out of the ordinary. And yeah. This is the sort of stuff that makes people go, "Wow!" You know, um, read uh, Gartnick's um, Sabriel. Oh, really? I was reading that, yes. rereading that recently. Yeah. Um, you know, and just some of the stuff that he gets in there really mm. early on has you going, "Okay, I- I'm not sure what's going on here, but mm. I want to find out more." Yeah. Whereas. <laughs> That's so interesting you say that because I mean I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Paul would say speaking for Paul he's I don't think he's with us on the and the, the YouTube chat we do encourage our authors to um, to come along and you know express themselves if they want to um, I'm sure he'd say well I have I've read all this already but it's not just a question of reading it it's a question of reading it in a particular way and sort of asking yourself mm. constantly well how, how am I feeling what am I thinking about yeah. this and and yeah. how is he achieving that it's a slightly different exactly. way of reading it isn't it yeah exactly not just not just what are the ideas but mm. but how are they getting them across how is yeah how is he making me feel this yeah exactly yeah, or how brilliant. is she making me feel this yeah absolutely brilliant advice there you go paul uh you start off you start the show read and deconstruct says kate absolutely find the building blocks how very succinct of kate uh you start the show paul with a, a 60 quite creditable nothing to be ashamed of there let's see what's next when you join our weekly huddle, certain things happen. No, not that. Bring your writing, your book titles, your blurbs, anything really, for expert and sympathetic input. In confidence. Other websites charge a fortune for this kind of thing. In Latopia, the oldest community for writers on the net is included in your modest subscription. Latopia, we're here for you. We are. And we're also here for Lucy. Next submission. It's called The Fall. Oh, such a, such a tiny little blurb there. It's speculative fiction. And by the way, you see QR code there too. Uh, that's not just random. That means you can scan that on your, on your mobile phone and go to whatever website it is that Lucy wants to take you to. It's a little magical mystery tour. So scan that and go. Uh, meanwhile, I will read Lucy's blurb. It's not going to take long. Sky's world overreaches itself and falls. 60 years later, Ava pays the price for their arrogance in a society that fears women and their desires. Okay, well, I'm thinking about that. I'm not sure I follow that, but I'm it's interesting, interesting. Uh, let me tell you about Lucy. My poetry and prose have been published in a number of literary magazines including Ink, Sweat and Tears, what a great name that is, One Hand Clapping and Truffle Literary Magazine. That's a great name too, isn't it? Truffle. Snuffle something out. Um, And I was recently semi-finalist in the London Independent Short Story Prize. Congratulations. I also write reviews for playstosee.com. I've worked for 10 years as an English teacher and I'm currently head of English at a school in London. And I'm delighted to tell you that we have none other than our very own Peggy, to read this for you. The Fall by Lucy Read by Peggy Prologue Ava They told us not to build a story from the pieces of our lives, but I ignored them, and now there is a question gnawing at me, just beyond reach. I want to know when my story started. 
Was it when I first set pen to paper that night, just over a year ago? Or maybe earlier, at that moment when I picked out this wrinkled, green notebook from the dusty cardboard box? Or was the story forming even before I gave myself permission to craft it out of the little fragments of my life? The pages in my book are dirty, crinkled at the edges, the weight of the ink marking each leaf heavily. Fittingly, this is the final page in the book. I reckon I only have space left for one hundred words. Should that worry me? Maybe that means we won't get away in time or the engine won't start and we'll be trapped. My baby is beside me, eyes tightly closed, refusing to let in the world. I don't blame her. If I could, I would do the same. I imagine the bells are ringing now loud against the empty silence of the engine. They will be looking for me, the tramp of feet swarming the streets, hunting me down. Space for a few more words. Let them be hopeful ones. If I write, they won't find me. Will that make it come true? Chapter 1 Ava Meeting Jessica was the turning point for me. I didn't learn her name for another few months, not until it was too late to speak those three quiet syllables, to build a connection. Jessica. But even as a nameless girl, she was the one who made me look at our city with new eyes, as though someone had cut away the wild and crouching foliage that hung densely over each door and showed me what was really behind all along. A frenzied excitement filled the streets. It was the same every year. All around me there was endless whispering about it as we hovered next to the giant posters that littered the walls, gazing up at last year's face. The girl in the poster. She was our ideal. We turned her into a goddess, but when I started back into her, stared back into her earthy brown eyes, I had to summon a veil of enthusiasm to match the feverish energy of the others. No one waited for me as we left our halls that morning and hurried to the square. I was too slow to find my coat, I suppose, but it was more than that. I was dull and sluggish and lethargic, my body holding me back like a reflex. But there was no avoiding it. I arrived amongst a stream of women, propelled forwards by their steps. We were there in unified purpose, an annual certainty, but each year I felt further away, questions replacing precepts. I joined the queue that was moving slowly and certainly towards the steps. Six women waited at the top. As I reached them I was guided to the woman at the end. I held out my hand and she placed the acorn into my palm, closing my fingers around it. I looked up at her, seeing if I could find any clue in her eyes, but she ignored me, staring out to the park and the trees and the piles of dead leaves that were covering the ground like a quilt. I held the acorn tightly in my fist. We knew we could not look, not yet, but still I tried to feel for the colored dot as I squeezed the acorn around and around. Back in the square, we turned our faces up to the steps our hands all held in the same tight fists. A silence fell, and one of the women on the steps held up her arm. I heard the breathing of the woman next to me start to quicken. 
we all uncurled our fingers and looked down at the acorn balancing across our palms. I turned it over and over, but there was nothing. No color, just an ordinary acorn with its little green but hat mottled with brown. So, Lucy, you've given us something to, uh, to puzzle over here. Um, chat rooms all up and down. Um, they really didn't seem to get the, the blurb. Um, need a bit more to pique our interest, says Kate. Um, Annie says, my great-grandparents were docketers. So <laughs> that's a little sidebar. <laughs> sidebar, that is. Um, yeah, don't actually understand the blurb, um, says SM. A number of people saying, nice reading, Peggy, yeah. When the prologue works, it works. And this one works, says Annie. Uh, nice writing the prologue, Hannah. I ditch it. It's not telling me anything. Intriguing, says Kate. I like this. Says, you see, they weren't sure about, about the blurb, not really sure about the prologue, and then they're starting to warm up to it. And it's quite often, it's the other. You know, people get excited about it to begin with, and then oh, it tra trails away. Martin says, got a dare I say, literary feel, vagabond, just the last few lines in the prologue, told me what I needed to know. Really engaging writing, says Ancora, and beginning. Lovely prose, says Vagabond, but sometimes it feels wordy. Do we need sluggish and lethargic, for instance? There is a flow, and yes, there is a literary feel, as Martin says, says Galadriel, but maybe a tad overwritten. Um, and then, oh, it's, I can't see it now. Yeah, Kate says there is an Atwood feel to this. Gosh, I don't know where to begin with this. Um, I'm going to put you in the hot seat, John. Okay. Um, <laughs> gosh, scoring this one's difficult. Isn't um, it? Yes, it is. Um, partly because I, I don't, I don't know. Um, well, I, you know, I, I mean, our title and blurb and craft and bang all give an equal weight when when uh, when they're added together. I guess they are, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, actually. Where, yeah, whereas yeah. To, to me, um, the craft and the bang are the things that, uh, yeah. you know, that are I really want to go for. Yeah. Um, this, to me, it, it's completely the opposite of the last one. The last one, the, the blurb got me really excited. Yeah. And then I felt let down by the pros. In this one, um, I didn't, in common with a lot of people, I didn't understand the blurb no. at all. No. Um, and, and to me, a blurb, it's, it's got to tell you something. Even if what it tells you is this is a mystery and I can't tell you too much because it'll spoil the mystery, it's no. got to tell you that. Whereas, the, you know, the blurb didn't really describe this. And then we got into, into the prose and it was just lovely. Hmm. I mean, yeah. um, you know, I, I think I'm probably going to give this 100 for craft, not because I felt it was perfect, yeah. Um, but because I'm assuming we're going for this is unpublished stuff. Yeah. Is it good enough to put forward to a pub publisher? And without a doubt, this is good enough as yeah. it is. If the rest of the book matches up to this, this is good enough to put forward to a publisher right now. Yeah. Um, it was beautifully written. I disagree with the people who were saying, oh, we didn't need so much in the prologue. The prologue didn't tell us much. Because actually, the prologue was teasing us. The prologue was really teasing me. And halfway through the prologue, I was feeling I have no idea what's going on at this point, and I really want and to you find want out. To know. <laughs> I want to know, and that's what a good prologue should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I um, I, I think I'm going to possibly, I, I would probably give this three and a half for Bang because the impact wasn't, you know, high, yeah. really high for craft. 
impact wasn't uh, wasn't quite as high, but maybe it doesn't need to be. Not mm. every novel needs to start off with a wallop and we're into it. Um, mm. You know, mm. yeah. uh, it's a very difficult one. People, actually, this is one of one of the is. more difficult submissions we we've had to deal with. I, I completely agree with your take. Just out of interest, let's have a look at my score there. I've I've pretty much uh, mirrored what, what you've done. Um, I don't I accept. I don't I don't like the title. I think the title is just too too dull. It's not going to stand out. It's too prosaic. Um, so I might yeah. go down on that. And must be a thousand books on Amazon at least you know, with the same name. Um, blurb. Yeah, I could have gone lower on the blurb to be honest, but I didn't want to. Didn't want to kick you in the teeth on that, uh, Lucy. Craft. I absolutely agree. There's lots of craft there. Um, commercial bang. Oh, I, 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 I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I always ask myself how would I if I was picking the phone up to a publisher and saying, "Oh, this amazing new manuscript by someone called Lucy," and it's uh, what do I say next? I don't know really. Yeah. I'm not sure what to say. Let's see what Johnny would say. Yeah, I would mirror a lot of the stuff that people have said. I felt that uh, she was sort of playing the game of Russian roulette with the with the prologue, and yeah. the prologue which was questioning where she should start the story. Because, because there's a little bit of a sort of a disconnect there between the two. Um, but the, the, there was no doubting that the prose was, was really, really, really interesting, uh, compelling almost. Though I felt, I've made a note here, that the, the, the prose is slightly getting in the way of the storytelling in as much as we're not... You know, we're not getting quite far enough under quite enough information uh, which yeah. to, to progress the story. But I, I thought... Um, you know, overall, it was a lovely piece of writing. Um, mm. I, I, well, very I, I it was very beautiful. Yeah, it's it's very very poetic, and I think somebody said it is uh, a bit like Atwood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, there was also a, a, a hint of. Funny enough, the first submission said about the. Um, uh, you, you know, writing the new Hunger Games. Now, I know this isn't new Hunger Games, but the scene was reminiscent of something from the, hum the Hunger Games, the, the raping. Why were these women gathering in the square? Yes. There's obviously some purpose going ahead. Yeah. And I felt it was almost like a dystopian sort of undertone yes. to this, whether or not that comes out, and I'm not sure whether it would or not. But yeah, I find it hard to mark as well. But, but so let me good. just let me just ask you, Johnny, because you've said something I totally agree with. I mean, obviously, it's obvious from Lucy's pedigree in any case that she is a poet at heart. So, and I think Kate and and, and the genius team said it's lyrical. So the thing is this: that all we ask for is seven hundred words, of course. But mm. if this wasn't seven hundred words, if he, this went on to sixty, eighteen, ninety thousand words, would you be able to read it the same way as you've taken in the the first few pages? Do you think, or would you just get? mire down in the in the poesy it might, it might get overwhelming and, and i think you know it depends how lucy wanted to tell the submission because uh, there's a the trait for the modern sort of novel is to go crash bang wallop and, and not sort of build whereas i, I have a, my own preference is to a slow build i'm okay with that yeah. uh, so she you know she maybe she maybe should have she so maybe she should have could have trimmed some of the the, the poetic prose back in favor of the story a bit more but it, Together, there was a kind of hypnotic quality to it as well. Yeah, which it I was. Really liked. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I thought it was strange and beautiful, like some strange alien object that's fallen to mm. Earth. You don't quite know what it mm. is, but it looks nice. Mm. <laughs> and you it's very unusual. Have a look at it. Exactly. Look at it, and then what's going to come out of it? Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's very yeah. intriguing, and I'll certainly, you know, in the old way, I'll certainly read on. Yeah. So there you go, Lucy. Gosh, what an interesting curate tag that is. Um, yeah. So I think everyone, actually, John. Johnny didn't mind your blurb, actually. You're the only person who's actually invited uh, reasonable numbers for the blurb. Johnny, let me just ask you about that briefly. Why, why did you yeah, do that? I, 
I thought the blurb was um, was intriguing. Though it okay. did lack, uh, it, it didn't actually give me an awful lot of information. But I think it was what John said as well. It, it was something yeah. which thought, oh, this is it, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, I was torn between a forty and a sixty, but I went sixty. Yeah, that's fair enough. Okay, so uh, we, it's very clear, actually, uh, Lucy. Weak spots, title, blurb. You work on those. Yeah, I meant uh, to say, Pete. That I think the thing that people resonating with people on the title is probably the TV series The Fall. Which yeah, is long yeah, long I know. And, and everybody thinks oh, the fall. Now that's that's to UK market. Whether or not it, you know, a global market wouldn't bat an eye yeah. at that. I wouldn't have thought. It's a yawn, isn't it? Really, that's the mm. trouble. It's just not not there. Thank you, Lucy. Yeah. Thank you very much. Let's see what's next. very strange here we go here we are submission number three it's from simon qr code there too it's historical fiction in brackets anglo-saxon and it's called white fire and i'm going to read you the blurb winston is a failed warrior three years after he went to war he squandered almost all he stole from his parents when he left by the time he journeys home in shame He's become a father with a young family. But having fled a duel with the mighty swordsman, Aridon, the famous blade Winston took from his father belongs by rights to another. Aridon wants justice and his war party are now tracking Winston. Aridon wants the sword that's rightfully his. He wants white fire. Sorry about the excessive background there. I had to fight it, but I think I won. Let me tell you about uh, Simon. Uh, I'm an ex-military single parent from an underprivileged background. He used to sleep rough on Fleet Street. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I've been charged with GBH, but commended by the judge. So, story coming on here, I think. Diagnosed with PTSD and undergone therapy, and awarded a PhD in postmodern philosophy. Wow. Today, I, I work as a historian and philosopher at the University of Cambridge. Oh, so, I mean, I'm interested in your autobiography, actually. I mean, I don't know what else you've sent us, but your autobiography sounds very interesting. Um, I've published several academic works and currently have a contract with Bloomsbury. In terms of fiction, however, I regret having my first novel published before I had learned to write properly. So after completing early drafts, I've left this current manuscript simmering for several years before reworking and submitting it. Okay, well, I'm delighted to tell you that we've got a wonderful reading from Lex. White Fire by Simon Chaplin, read by Lex. February 679 AD. I am sorry, Hild, but we must leave this place, said Winston. His wife did not reply. There was no alternative after all. The soil was as tired as those who worked it and would yield no crop. Why had he come here? Why had he squandered his coins so foolishly? She didn't have to ask the questions out loud. Had Winston been local to Cambridge, he would have known the history of this farmstead. Had he grown up working the soil, he may not have relied so heavily on the advice of strangers. Now he gazed across the wetlands, through blue eyes darkened with tiredness and burdened with grief. He had sold almost everything of worth to feed his family and, if they were not all to wither slowly out of existence, he must be decisive before it was too late. 
He cursed his own naivety, the simple hope of the 17-year-old he was when he arrived here three winters ago. He was no farmer, he had no trade to speak of, and he was certainly no warrior. The moisture in the air numbed his bones with cold as he glanced behind at the twins. I promise I will get these boys out of this disaster before they are old enough to learn how I got them into it, he told his wife. Then you must go to your father. I can't. You know I can't. He closed his eyes and awaited her reply, but none came. He turned to face his sons, not yet three years of age, their tiny sheepskins sodden with winter's mud, their faces pale through lack of food, but glowing for want of heat. The infants had inherited his curly, blonde hair, but in their deep brown eyes he saw those of his wife. Winston, you must, you must go to your father. He shook his head, stooped to the earth, and forced a coin into the naked soil above her grave. Goodbye, Hild, he said. Where are we going? asked Aored. His brother, Guttred, began to weep. Somewhere with more sky. Winston forced a smile as he lifted Guttred to his chest, feeling the beat of Guttred's heart, seeing the hope in Aored's eyes. He could not imagine ever condemning or estranging them. Hild's words echoed in his head. Maybe his father would take him back. Even after he had brought shame on their family and blackened their name, but he would return home with nothing, having squared even what he had stolen when he left, and dragging his boys on a hundred-mile journey? It was unthinkable. No, he still had the most valued piece of his father's treasure in his possession. It alone was worth more than any homestead he passed on the road. But he would not sell it until he had found a place to settle. He resolved to head north, to the Isle of Ellie, less than a day's journey. Winston would not be the first to abandon Cambridge for Ellie. Deep in the Finlands, the town attracted growing numbers of traders and tradesmen alike. Several settlements on the Isle were forming into a larger community, organizing themselves around a newly built church that had brought life and order to a land rich in soil, teeming with waterfowl and eels. Whatever might be said of Ellie, its remoteness, its marshlands, its exposure to the vast skies, this was, at least, a place where Winston's boys would not go hungry. Finding space on the back of a salt trader's cart was an easy task. The trader had little interest in talking to his passengers, whom he clearly thought below his own status, which suited Winston well enough. He placed the twins up high and, with a gentle jerk, the iron rim wheels creaked and rumbled into motion. The old stone road was in the same state of disrepair as the town it left. Tiny Guttred gazed behind, longing to stay at his mother's grave. Aaron's face beamed with glee as he leaned this way and that, looking forward beyond the ox drawing the wagon into the drizzle-blurred scenery ahead. These boys are too small to travel with such a father. And the Chinisham is already talking about Bernard Cornwall. That's an interesting comparison. I was thinking Kevin Crossley Holland, actually. Um, Galadriel, as Galadriel says, is Cambridge too near? A word for Anglo-Saxon times. That's interesting. Oh, I guess Simon would know that, actually. Um, Kay says, maybe it's deliberate, but his wife is distancing. Doesn't she have a name? Angkor says, I like this a lot. It's drawn me in. I definitely read on. Hannah says, I like this writing. And he says, nice twist with a grave. Confident prose, says Kate. I think it was confident too. What did you think, John? Oh, yes. Confidence is a good word for it, definitely. Mm. Um, it, I didn't, didn't feel quite as emotionally engaged with it as I might have expected to. And I'm not sure if that's just because I'm going. Did I give the first? Did I give Lucy not enough points, or did I? And, and how do I, how do I weigh this? You know, I'm at that 
difficult third submission where I'm going, okay, I, I quite I like the first one. I really yeah. love the second one. Where does this sit between those? How do I how do I do my scores? Um, but um, there was there was something that clunky would be way 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 too harsh huh. but there was something not quite fluid and, and possibly it's just suffering in contrast with lucy's prose yeah um, actually yeah you know, quite possibly um just you know getting one straight after the other yeah um well gladriel has just said uh, morris what you've said i didn't feel emotionally drawn in she says although a lot of, yeah. lot of other people are enjoying it terry says i'm enjoying this i believe this world I'm 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 absolutely enjoying it, and I really don't want to give the impression that I'm not because mm. I, I think it's great. I would read on. I would definitely read on. Um, mm. I think, um, and you know, even, even from the blurb, the Bernard Cornwall thing, I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, they said this this could be a bit Last Kingdom, couldn't it? Yeah, uh, in a good way, you know. Mm. Um, but. I think this is the I, I think this is the problem with the submissions thing is this is the kind of thing I want to read just a bit more. Yeah. And this is the sort of yeah. thing where by the second chapter I yeah. think it would have me gripped. Yeah. So you'd um, call it you'd yeah. call it in if you were a publisher or an agent, you'd call it in. You'd say, Let me let me see the first three chapters at least or maybe uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, w I would definitely want to see it. Yeah, that's very good. Okay, I'm. I definitely want to see your your numbers, actually, John. So press your button when okay. when you get when you get a moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm still. Oh, it's difficult. It is difficult. I know. He's all right. <laughs> well, John is agonising. Johnny, go for it. Right, I've just pressed my numbers, so hopefully they should be in in a minute. Um, yep, there I can yeah, see. Yeah, I, I think great. I think there's, there's another bit of a conundrum here. But first yeah. of all, I um, I made, made a couple of notes here. One was I really liked the reveal in, at the start that you know um, that he was talking to the wife, but his wife had passed on. That was a nice little oh, yeah, you know, nice little touch. I thought it, it yeah. was it was, ha it was quite well handled. I enjoyed how he handled that. But said what John said as well. There's something for me. The writing's good the settings good um, all of those things very positive but i've written here um competent you know really competent writing but not it's not compelling me at the moment it's not grabbing yeah. by the throat and said yeah yeah you know this is yeah. this is the bee's knees um yeah here you know we've we've found a classic here yeah. uh, and i think what john's just said there again might make sense with the constraints of 700 words, you know, you cannot get everything into 700 words. Yeah, so, right. uh, again, I would read on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of say, mm, next one, please. Um, I'd certainly be, I'd, I'd certainly think there is something there, but I, what it is, I'm not sure at the moment. It, it would need to yeah. fire me with a bit more enthusiasm. Um, yeah. To, 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 to say, you know, I'd like to go all the way. If I, was a, if I were a publisher or an agent looking at this um, before I'd start talking serious turkey about it. But I think yeah. there's definitely there's, there's definitely grounds for something to be, you know, explored here. So um, me, I think the good, the good burgers of Ely will be happy for the big up. They will be very happy tourists. for the publicity, <laughs> won't they? Yeah. I can just see tourism going through the roof as a result <laughs> yeah, they, of this. Yeah, they to their takes off. But yeah, yeah it, was, it was nice. I, I enjoyed it. And uh, I'd, I'd, I'd certainly read more of it. Okay, so on on the basis of the minute sample that both of you uh, gentlemen have um, have seen so far, I want to ask you this then. So let's let's think about Braveheart. That's a good comparison. It came into my head, Braveheart, right? So Braveheart could have been sold just as something for fervent Scottish nationalists, 
but he, he wasn't. It actually was sold for any, I mean, the general, you know, the, the general audience throughout the world. Do you think this has got that potential or is it just for, for people who've got that particular bent and just interested in this, this part of history? Or do you think it potentially can suck in these, the general reader if there is such a thing? My thought, my thought would be that the Brea part dealt with a bigger theme. This is mm, a kind of mm. a more, you know, it's, it's a much more constrained plot about a, a guy who's run off with his, you know, with some of his parents' money, squandered it, uh, and uh, you know he's he's come a cropper. He's on his uppers. His wife's died, and he's, he has to get home. And I don't know if that has the gravitas that something like a, you know the the Wallace thing would have would have had, but it's definitely in the same it's definitely in the same um, ballpark, and also. You know, I remember when Nicholas Cheatham was on it, it's got that sort of thing that they say is hot at the moment. It's not exactly sword and sandals, but it's sort of getting, it's yeah. swords and sandals-ish, isn't it? Yeah, it is, actually, yeah. I don't know what they wore, actually. It wouldn't be sandals. <laughs> or <laughs> sneakers. Yeah. Was it, wouldn't, not sneakers, was it? No. no I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Moving on quickly, let's have a look at the overall numbers there for you, Simon. 66, <laughs> uh, again, nothing to be ashamed of there at all. Actually, pretty good. You may, in fact be the leader so far should we find out you are <laughs> i got a feeling you were and there we go yeah you are the show leader so far and uh, it's all, i always think it's really interesting to, to just to look at they see the the green boxes those are the high scores so paul should feel very happy with his title and his blurb um lucy should feel extremely happy with um, the impression of her writing craft and the the bang the overall commercial potential had on everybody and you simon should be extremely pleased with your blurb and hope i hope you are um i think it's probably high time past high time for us to have a word with john <laughs> <laughs> we managed to get you out of your dungeon just just there look look Fantastic. who it is john doherty visiting author.com now i'm, I'm i've me. got so many questions to ask you well Go for on. a start what is visiting author.com that's such an onion i mean normally people use their names for a domain but what, what does that mean well i mean i've had that uh, that domain for years um you know probably about 15 years now and essentially when i uh when I set up, when I grabbed that uh, domain, I wanted to make it clear that school visits is a very big part of what I do. I okay. love visiting schools and doing events. Um, I happen to think I'm very good at it. And uh, and so I wanted a, a, a web domain uh, name that would hopefully show up That's on the search engines yeah. when schools totally. were looking yeah. for an author to come yeah. and visit. So just tell us tell us about that, because, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people watching it who are quite interested in that whole thing, and, you know, obviously it's a great way to speak directly to your readers and so on and so forth, but, I mean, uh, trying to ignore the past very weird 18 months, yeah. how, how, does, how does a sort of author visit generally go to a school? What happens? Well, it varies, obviously, from author to author, but for me... What I like to do is make sure that every child in the school uh, is included as part of it. So okay. I will do something like 20, 25 minutes with, uh, with the very little ones. Uh, this is primary school. Um, so, you know, uh, maybe nursery and certainly reception class. Mm. Um, I'll read There's a Pig Up My Nose. I'll sing them the uh, There's a Pig Up My Nose song and get oh, them to... Wow. Uh, yeah, and, and get them to join in. I always tell them I need a little piggy choir to join in with me and get them to, uh, to do all the oinking. 
Yeah. Uh, and then I'll do a poem from Dinosaurs and Dinner Ladies. And that's usually about uh, 20, 25 minutes. I never do questions with oh, reception yeah. class because oh. uh, you ask a reception class for questions. And the first one will be something like, I've got a dog. And then, you know, <laughs> and then the next one will be, I've got a cat. And the next one will be, I had a dog, but it died. Uh, I've got a hamster. Aww. And, you know, um, so, uh, so I leave the questions for the slightly older ones. Um, so the, uh, you, you, you know this environment really well because you were a teacher for 10 years. What, I was, yeah. What sort of winkled you out of that particular profession and into this very strange thing that you do now? What was, the, what was your journey there? Oh, gosh. Well, um, I was I had my own class for very nearly three years and I did a PGC, which is only one year course. And for my money, doesn't quite prepare you for uh, for teaching in the way that, that a three or four year course does. So it's very much learning on the job. And the yeah. first year, you're kind of paddling like this. And then the second year, you're getting there and, you know, and then the third year, I went in and you know started off the term and it started off brilliantly. Suddenly, all all my planning was in place, all my uh, classroom management, all my behaviour management techniques were working like a dream. Wow. Every uh, and this went on for about three weeks and then we had the Ofsted team from hell. Yeah, wow. I mean, I've heard I other mean, teachers really, say this. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, really, the guy who um, who led the team. A few years later, was very publicly deregistered. There was this sort of scandal, and he was in all the newspapers for weeks. But by that time, uh, you know, um, I, I had gone. I'm not sure this is for me. I'm going to try yeah. supply teaching for a bit, mm -hmm. and I discovered that I loved supply teaching. It was great mm -hmm. going in and going, "Hey, kids, your teacher's not here for the day. Let's have some fun." And yeah, one of the things yeah. I would do with them was <laughs> oh, I, I very do often. Oh, yes, you you straight away. You've been my favourite teacher straight away. <laughs> Well, I, I loved it because very often in, in those early days, the teachers wouldn't leave plans. Um, oh. You know, it was like, um, uh, you know, just unforeseen absence or often a course, you know, here's some yeah. stuff they could be finishing off. But there was no sort of detailed minute by minute. So I would very often spend the day doing a creative writing workshop. I'd read oh, them a story. Wow. Um, and somebody had given me this uh, this storybook about a teacher who had a secret identity. So I'd read them the story, and then I'd go, "Where's your teacher today?" And they'd go, "Oh, uh, on a course." And I'd go, "Are yeah, you sure?" Very, very good. And then very I'd get good. them to write yeah. a story about very what their good. teacher could be doing, what their teacher's it. secret life could be. Um, and then we did little paper folding, and so by the end of the day, most of them had a little book with their story in it. That's right. Uh, yeah. And while I was doing this, I was trying to get my own stuff published as well. I was going to ask you. Uh, I've got I've got two more, two more questions, and that was one of them. So you know, you've 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 moved into this sort of interesting sort of slightly alternative lifestyle, that, and you've got some book ideas. Yeah. Clearly, how did you make the next step? Because so many people who, who watch pop ups were really interested in that. Well, I I really began to get interested again in children's literature when I trained as a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I, and I wrote There's a Pig Up My Nose in my third year of teaching hmm. and started sending it off. Um, and, uh, and if you're out there going, I have been trying this and I've got this great story and nobody wants it. It yeah. took me from writing There's a Pig Up My Nose to publication. It was 21 years. <gasps> no! 21 no! years of oh, sending no. this story off and going, I think this is a really good story. And publishers going, yeah, it's great, but uh, we're not going to publish it. 
Um, oh but one was, of the publishers, on behalf of the I entire it, publishing business, I apologize. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But one Don't of the me. publishers I sent it to said, um, or one of the editors, Sue Cook at Random House said, "Yeah, I, I'm not. I, you know, this isn't really my thing. But I love the way you write. Please send me anything else you write." Nice. So she yeah. she essentially mentored me um, yeah. and got me to a point where she was going. Take a look at our young Corgi range. I think you, your voice would suit that really well. Have a think about maybe writing something set in a school because those, that's always popular. Um, and so I, eventually I wrote something that she went, yeah, this is great. We'll publish this. And that's how I got started. Did, did, um, you, go, did you go straight to publishers or did you, did you use agents? Do you have had good experiences, bad experiences of agents? Or oh, You can be honest. I don't care. Go no, on. no. Again, it's just a, a bit of a quirky part of the story. Uh, is that actually before I sent it off to loads of publishers, I sent it off to loads of agents. Yeah. And again, most of them went, yeah, this is funny, but it's not for us. One went, I love this. I don't think, I'd actually sent it off as one of four stories about the same class. And and she said, you know, why don't you try reworking it as a short, uh, as, as a short book of, of four short stories? Mm. Um, and she said, normally, then I'd say, send it back to me, but I'm about to go on maternity leave. Otherwise, right. I would love to represent you. But here's a list of publishers. Use my name. All right, that's and pretty that's, cool. That's pretty cool. It was lovely. Yeah, and that was yeah. how I got my, my uh, yeah. first hearing. That was uh, Penelope Dunn at AP Watt. That's fantastic. Um, well, good, good for you, Penelope. I just want to ask you, I've got to ask you about, you, you've uh, been um, chairman of the Society of Authors, Children's Writers and Illustrators group, which must have taken a huge amount yeah. of your time. Thank you for your public service there. Um, <laughs> uh, founding patron of the Chipping Norton Literary Festival. Wow. Out there with the, yeah. the, no the knobs of this world in, in England. And a fervent supporter of and campaigner for a strong public library service. What the hell's happening with, to, to libraries in the UK? <laughs> Yeah, we are being governed by Philistines. Sorry for getting mm. political on your show. Oh, go you, for it, go for it, go for it. Governed by people who know the price of everything and yeah, the value, value of nothing. nothing. Um, uh, you know, you yeah. can see in the same way that they, they responded to the arts crisis, the mm. arts, publishing, music, theatre, they bring in a huge amount of money for the, to, to this country, if you want to speak about it in, in their terms. Yeah. Um, and, and they're treating it as if it's nothing. And do you know why I think mm. it is? Tell me. I think, my theory is that at Eton, if you were in the first 15 at rugby, you got to be a prefect. But yeah. if right, you were right. in the orchestra, um, yeah. uh, you know, or, yeah, or in the drama wimp. society, yeah. you're a bit of a yeah. girly swat. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And that has set now the top yeah. for our whole nation. Yeah, there's Billy Bunton, 19th century attitudes, basically, uh, playing fields of Eton exactly. and, and all the rest of it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just dismayed, really, because I think about myself and, you know, I mean, had I not had a wonderful public library at my disposal mm. when I was just, you know, a youngster in short trousers, and I, I just wandered down these amazing halls and pulled down anything, adult children, didn't matter, just stuff I could understand, yeah. stuff I couldn't, and it was all there. And the physicality of it, I think, was something really precious, and I just, I really worry now that, that that's been yeah. lost to, to the next generation. I think, I think I they're know. the poorer for it, but maybe I'm I just mean, an old fart. No, not at all. I think almost every one of my favourite authors I have met initially in a public library rather than in a bookshop. Mm. You know, and I love bookshops yeah. and I use bookshops and especially yeah. independent bookshops and I'm trying to yeah. use them more and more at the moment. Yeah. But we need yeah. our library service. We certainly and do. We certainly do.
yeah yeah all right well obviously we could go on all, all day um and night <laughs> um and i guess actually probably most people watching probably agree with us actually but you know what we've got we've got two more submissions to look at and i'm quite excited to see if anyone is going to beat simon this is number four terry agrees with us too some of my best childhood memories wandering around the library finding new books to read absolutely absolutely terry this is from lucas qr code there lucas gan science fiction slash fantasy and it's called noah crisis colon arena noah crisis that's not two words you normally find juxtaposed uh quite short blurb here it is the first light an ancient weapon capable of turning the tide in the war against the seven kings the princesses want it genesis needs it but noah is the only one who can claim it that's quite a strong blurb not sure i understand it but it's quite strong let me tell everybody about you lucas uh, my name is lucas and outside of writing i work as a leakage engineer in Auckland, New Zealand. I don't know why I'm smiling about that. I, I like that. Outside of writing. All right, so that's the, like, it's the, what is it? It's the um, uh, Marx Brothers thing, isn't it? Outside of, outside of a dog. I'm trying to do this in memory. Outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Inside of a dog, he's too dark to read. Grouch your marks, not Carl. Uh, in my free time, I enjoy role-playing video games, and I'm a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. While my works are not religious... The compassion I've received from Jesus is what inspires me to write stories of bravery and heroism, as well as my as craft my own mythology. Well, you want a truly mythic reading in that case? I got a call for Barbara. Noah Crisis Arena by Lucas Gann, read by Barbara. It is often said that all good stories will start from the same place the beginning. First comes the stage, then come the players, and then comes the tale that trails towards the final curtain. But this story starts at the end. It begins long after the stage is set, long after the players have left, and long after the curtain has closed. This is the story of a long-forgotten promise. This is the story of Noah Crisis, and it begins with Boy. Boy stood still in the underground cavern, looking intently at the door ahead of him. He was fifteen years old, with black messy hair, dressed in rags and covered in grime. The steel door, meanwhile, towered over him, was arched at the top and covered in weird carvings. No one alive cared about what this door was, but to Boy, it was the most important thing in the world. It is my destiny, he said confidently in his gravest voice. You are my destiny. And I am yours. I command you. Open. The door did nothing. Boy sighed in response and slumped his back against the door, sliding down in defeat. He looked at the grey rock lying in the cavern around him, hoping to receive some brilliant inspiration. But when none came, he turned back to his hand. Even in the dim light, he could see the red liquid trickling from his palm. He would love to ignore it. He would love to spend countless hours sitting before the door and examining the ancient pictures edged into its smooth surface. In all honesty, they intrigued him to no end. Unfortunately, he couldn't ignore it, because the trail of blood gave his location to the one thing he was trying to avoid. The Ravager. Ravager. 
It was the monster he'd grown up hearing about from listening in on the village stories, and he'd always imagined it to be a rather comical creature from its description. The reality was far more terrifying. He'd already encountered them twice already, and the prospect of a third was far from inviting. How long did he have till that thing arrived? Five minutes? One? It didn't really matter. Boy was going to die either way if the door didn't open, and opening, it seemed, was not on the schedule. Trapped between an unstoppable foe and an immovable obstacle, Boy's prospect of survival was dwindling by the second. Of course it had never been high in the onset. Left with nothing but the burnt husks of his village, Boy had journeyed west to the great mass of metal they called Machine City. To him it made sense. The ravagers had killed everyone he'd ever known. Why wouldn't he try to find the reason for their existence? Perfectly logical. Six months later, and Boy was now painfully aware of the difference between logical and practical. The first day was like entering hell. He must have tripped a dozen sensors on his way into the city and within minutes the ravagers were onto him. By a stroke of luck, Boy had stumbled into an abandoned sewer main which took him beneath the city plate where, thankfully, the ravagers couldn't follow. And by a second stroke of luck, the undercity had been relatively devoid of active machines. But now his luck had run out. The ravagers had found him a few hours ago, and thanks to the deep gash it left in Boy's arm, it was never going to lose him again. Boy's only hope in the world was now the door. The resolute, immovable door. Open? Boy asked, this time short of begging. Again he remained silent. Boy sighed once more and dipped his finger in the pool of blood around his hand. With it, he wrote three simple letters on the steel surface. B-O-Y. All right, brilliant reading there from Barbara. Thank you very much, Barbara. Press the wrong button there. Just wanted to um, check Barbara's comment, actually. Cause it's always really interesting when we do get a comment from the narrator, because they always see it in a slightly different way. And it's so small, I'm going to read it from the other screen. I'm so sorry about that. Basically, if, you, if you're going to leave more than one or two sentences, folks, stick them into two comments. That's the easiest way to get around the, the size issue we have. Barbara says, I like this a lot. Strong voice, good feel for the MC, and a promise of where this might go. And the troubles ahead. Intriguing bits, too. Yes, needs an edit here and there, and there's a couple of places that need a tweak, but easy fix. I'd read on. And I'm just going to read the next one by SM Wizzy. I wince when someone says this story at the beginning of their story. I want to feel the story unfold, not be told I'm about to read one. And Eva, who is not the... <laughs> she's not the, the world's greatest science fiction fan, says, and I think this counts as praise, uh, says, I've seen worse, SM. <laughs> OK. All right. Johnny, what did you think? Um, yeah, first, uh, the title, I've just looked at the sort of key points here, the title doesn't do an awful lot for me, I have to say, um, it just puzzles me more than anything else, Yeah. and the blurb was a bit scant on detail again, and, and didn't really draw me in, um, but I think, you know, the, by the time we get to the end of the 700 words, we've got a nice, a, a, quite a nice setup, and you know, we've got a, a cliffhanger, will he, won't he, will the door open, can he get the door open, you know. There was a technical issue I saw that the, when the ravagers, or when the ravager appeared to begin with, he was singular. So I thought this was a, an omnipotent sort of one-off beastie. 
yeah, it turns too. out there are quite a few of them so yeah. it needs a little bit of that's just a technical yeah. thing you know there, there obviously there are more there is more than one ravager um it, it was it was nicely written um a couple of people said it could do with an edit and i think it could do with an edit yeah. it, it didn't it I also wonder the genre. It, it, it felt um, it, it feels like quite a young genre. I, I don't know what category. I, I don't mean very young, but you know, is it in the same sort of arena as, as um, you know, mid to late teens, that sort of thing? I couldn't really, I couldn't, couldn't really put my finger. It feels on it. like um, that, but, is, but that's not what uh, Lucas says. Lucas no, says that's, that's science same, fiction, science yeah. fantasy. But I, a lot of people are picking up that vibe. That's the thing. I, I, I'm thinking definitely late teen, maybe twenty. I'm thinking yeah. Katniss Everdeen. No, I'm thinking. If, if yeah. we're, we're getting, I'm not getting paid by the Hunger Games, by the way, for mentioning the game. But it, it's um, it, it seems to be in that sort of arena uh, in terms yeah. of, of, of its of its age. And so I don't know if there's a if there's a disconnect with the genre. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I quite liked it. Um, I quite liked this. We got the suspense quite quickly, and, and I think Galadriel said. But one of the things I thought as well was, I, I, I really liked the use of. Sometimes the end can get very annoying and clunky, and and, and you know, not again. But I, I liked it was a, it was boy and not a boy or the boy. I just Me liked too. the fact that he was boy. It had a hooky quality to it. Mm. Whether or not you know. Uh, Eighty-five thousand words later, I'd be sick to the side of it. I don't really know, but but certainly, yeah. In this first yeah. instance, I did like it. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, I'd, I'd probably read on with this one. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, that's exactly what Gladriel says. I've just tracked down her quote here. There is something she says very engaging about this. There's an atmosphere I like. Maybe it's because the use of the boy, a boy with a capital B, needs edit. But I'm intrigued. And then Cora says, I like this. But agree, a bit too much exposition, could use an edit. And Terry says, don't like the title. The first three words of the verb sound like a better title, the first light, yeah. What did you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of those comments. The The title just doesn't work for me. Um, you know, I, I, if, you're gonna, if, if, if you're going to give us a title that doesn't make sense on first reading, there has to be something a bit more compelling to make it yeah. in- to make you want to find out what it means, yeah. um, whereas this Noah Crisis Arena, it sounds to me like a, a like a, a video game. Yeah, um, actually, yeah, that's know, exactly what it and, is, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it sounds sounds like the video, you know, the sort of third in a series. Yeah. Of Noah yeah, we're video already games well like into that. the series, and this is three or five or six or seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm finding the scoring. Um, scoring difficult i'm i'm gonna yeah. go with my first instinct which may not be right um they're always right i <laughs> bless you <gasps> i i felt there's definitely something there but again it's i'm not quite engaging with it and part of it is um i think i felt a bit distanced from it mm. um you mm. know uh i didn't feel like i was there we're, we're, we're standing quite back, back at quite a distance. Yeah, he's got this blood dripping from his arm, but I'm getting no sense of the pain. Uh, the yeah, ravagers are yeah. coming, but I'm getting no sense of the fear. He's not, you know, the, the writing isn't really talking us into either the physical sensations or the, the sights or, or the mm. emotions. It's, mm. not, it's not bringing us in. It's, we're standing back. Now, yeah. in a way, again... Um, you know, I, I think from from memory, some of Lucy's The Fall did that, but the yeah. prose in, in itself was compelling enough. Um, and, and this this just needs something tweaking up. It yeah. could be the prose. 
It could yeah. be the quality of the prose. You know, some um, somebody, I think it might have been Kate, was saying in the comments, I just want the words to work a bit harder. Um, that's, that's a very good comment. Um, yeah, it's a very mm. good comment. I like that mm. a lot, which is which is why I'm uh, appropriating and using yes, it in my bit. Uh, <laughs> She's a very generous lady. She'll give it to you. Absolutely. I'm sure Take she full, full credit um, for it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, so, you know, the words could work a bit harder to give me that description or there was a there was a sense of quirkiness in the writing style but it didn't mm. quite break through it, yeah. it, you know if you want to be a bit quirky be a bit more quirky just something to make it stand out a bit i think that's the mm. thing it's it's really not bad at all but it's not standing out yeah very very good uh final catch up the genius room Eva, it's very busy now. She's not just reviewing um, Lucas's uh, submissions. She's actually reviewing you personally, John. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> and she said, what an, open good foot. Yeah, what an open, friendly guy John is. Can we have him back, please? Oh, oh. You've, you've made a friend there. Oh, that's lovely. Oh. Let's look at the overall numbers. 56 there for you, Lucas. Um, and yeah, all the, all the votes are in there just about. And, and people sometimes ask, why, why does the thing, that number there, the overall, the aggregate number go down sometimes? Can I understand why it goes up? But it, it, sometimes you see it flip round and it goes down. The reason is actually because we aggregate, aggregate everyone's individual vote in the genius room to just to one number. So if some people who are voting a bit low come in a bit late, you will see the, the overall number drop. But it does look a bit strange sometimes for it to go down. So basically, yeah, we, we're, not, we're not wild about the title at all. John likes him more than others, but even, even so, not great. Um, and yeah, I think I think I'm struggling a bit actually, Lucas, to find the commercial potential at the moment. Um, I need a, a clearer hook in order to, you know, to get me over that. That I'm going to call it the telephone hurdle. Although I do understand that phones from 2025 will be made obsolete, so I won't be able to pick my phone up to publishers anymore. But it's that thing, you know. I've got this amazing manuscript by Lucas, and it. <gasps> And what do I say? What do I say? There's got to be something there for me. Um, I think we should now look at the very last submission of the day and see who's actually going to win the show, maybe. So... What I meant by that was I don't know if the last submission is going to win the show, but we will find out after the yeah, the final the fifth submission. Because oh, sometimes we get email, emails, you know, from people saying, "Oh, it's a fixed job," you know, before the show starts, he's going to win. No, we, you can't. You tell we don't know anything. at all. Good grief! No, if only we were that organised. Anyway, here is submission number five. Here's from John John Wigglesworth. And there's a QR code again. It's nice to get get a, a web link if you make a submission. Send us a link too, please, because we can promote you. Oh my goodness, we can. This is upmarket adult fiction with a paranormal twist. And it's called, quite distinctive title, The Strangeness of Ordinary Things. And this is John's blurb. Ten-year-old Maisie's life is falling apart. Her father is on a tour of duty in Vietnam. And weevils have blighted the family's cotton crop, driving our mother deeper into alcoholism. So when Maisie finds a rare coin in the creek near her home, it seems her luck has changed. If sold, the proceeds could save the farm. Yet when a local coin collector steals the half dollar, 
Maisie's shot to find the greatest barrier to its recovery is not the indifferent local sheriff, but her very own mother. I, I, I agree with you, Annie. The comment Annie's just made. I'm just. I haven't done a search. Maybe somebody in the genius would do that. But it does. It does seem. It does seem familiar. That title. It does. Maybe that's just the mark of a good title. But uh, do do a search for us, will you, please, and let us know in due course. Let me tell you about uh, John. I'm a British national, um, currently based in Asia. My fiction debut, The Margins, was published by Penguin Random House Southeast Asia in November 2020. Congratulations. Well done. When I'm not writing, I split my time between running my own business in Bangkok and trying to displace my three-year-old West Highland White Terrier from her position as head of our household. Well, I can tell you it's going to be a lot easier to get a number one bestseller than to achieve that, I'm sure. Um, and I can tell you something else as well, that we are proud and privileged to have Beverly to read your manuscript. The Strangeness of Ordinary Things by John Wigglesworth, read by Bev. Chapter One, A Decade Ago. It was May 1972 when it first came into my possession, a little wooden box mottled and discoloured by age. It was small enough to fit quite easily into the palm of my hand, although I was just ten at the time. Even after I briefly fought the rusty hinges to pry it open and looked inside, it seemed such an inconsequential thing. In some ways, I suppose it was. Yet my discovery marked the start of a peculiar sequence of events that unfolded across the summer. For three people were killed, and the only common thread in their deaths was the contents of that little box. I found it in Alamoochee Creek, the watercourse that marked the southern boundary of the grounds surrounding my parents' house. The colonnaded antebellum mansion had once stood among 50 acres of cotton plantations, but in the early 60s my family sold off the fields nearest the house to a developer, leaving only the gardens. Still, Mother said, they were among the finest in the whole of Alabama, and I guess they were pretty nice. For there was the front garden, a neat lawn fringed with herbaceous borders and flower beds of geraniums, purple coneflowers, roses and blue hydrangeas. To the rear of the house was a large walled garden, the crumbling red brickwork studded with black wrought iron brackets, upon which hung baskets of wild bergamot and oxide daisies. A small Grecian-styled folly stood in the centre of the enclosed lawn. Around its white marble base were scattered half-barrels, planted with aromatic asters, Virginia bluebells and trailing petunias that cascaded down the wooden sides. In the summer the air would become hazy with pollen, the high walls seeming to trap and amplify the heat, and the sound of droning insects and the sweet smell of manure. Beyond the walled garden was a large flagstone terrace, where Mother liked to drink vermouth in the early evening breeze, and a topiary. The neatly trimmed privets eventually gave way to a diamond-striped lawn, perhaps a couple of hundred yards in length, that led down to Alamoochee Creek, the place where I came across that wooden box. I didn't know it then, of course, but my discovery was to change everything. F-14s! Three of them, Maisie! My brother called over. I looked up from my book, glanced at Jeb and rolled my eyes. He stood on the far bank, hunched 
under the weeping willows that lined the creek. Many of their drooping yellow branches hung so low that they gently scraped the water as if to cool their tips from the summer heat. Beneath the trees, hundreds of fallen catkins had collected on the surface of the stream, bobbing and swirling as they were caught in the tiny eddies, dragonflies flitting erratically above them. My brother was pretending the cat kings were Viet Cong, and that the dragonflies were fighter planes coming in to strafe them into oblivion. He'd even assigned different types of aircraft to the various dragonflies. The green iridescent ones were F-14s, and the smaller blue ones, Super Sabras. Great, I shouted back, without enthusiasm, before returning to my book. There was a gentle splashing as my brother crossed the creek. I looked up again, watching as he stooped for a moment to collect a few flat stones from the riverbed. Then he climbed up the bank to join me, shaking the water from his hands. What are you reading? he asked. I closed the book, showing him the cover. You're reading Macbeth. Aren't you a bit young for that? It's not that hard, I shrugged. Actually, you might like it. It's got witches and stuff. Witches? Cool. So what do they get up to? Well, they kind of predict the future, like telling Macbeth his destiny. Oh, said Jeb, without interest. They make a potion too, I added, hopefully, watching my brother's face, from bits of frog and newt and snake. I started to thumb through the book, looking for the right page. There were tons of other things as well, but I can't remember them all. Dropping you straight on the deep end here, John. Not even a chance to breathe or think. What? what <laughs> how did you? How did you feel about that? Okay, broadly speaking, I thought it was great. Um, you know, in terms of what I said, what I said about the fall, I think the same thing applies here. In terms of the quality of writing, it's publisher ready. Um, I, I don't think that there's anything about the writing style that I, I could pick out and criticise. Um, uh, a number of people were saying, oh, too much description here, too much description. And I was yeah. thinking, unusually for me, I'm not feeling that. Um, yeah. I'm not always great with description. You know, there was a bit about sort of asters and bluebells and, and something else. And, you know, usually to me... That's very nice, yes. Yeah, yeah. And usually to me, when I read a passage like that, my head goes, so there were some mm. flowers and some mm. other flowers and some other flowers. But for some reason, that kept me engaged. And then we got to the bit about the willow dipping its, uh, the tips of its branches in the water yeah. to cool them down. And I thought that was lovely. And, it, you know, mm. I, I, yeah, I broke into a smile at that. And then there was a bit more description and that just pushed me over the edge. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so perhaps trimming back on that. Again, some of the comments were, you know... I mean, Galadriel's just yelling, keep with the box! Yes, and I, that's I, I right. think, You know, I, I don't do that. I, I think going off on the Macbeth thing was, was a mistake. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, I, I think we, we've had the, the preamble, if you like, um, about this, you know, the, the sort of the summer that's going to change everything. And, yeah. you know, three deaths and all they had in common was this box. And I was like, wow, that's great. I love yeah. this. I will read this book. Um, and and then it just drifted off course a bit. Um, I, you know, I, I still I, I still think, you know, commercially, it's I think it's very strong. Hmm. Um, but I just, you know, do you know what do you know what this needs? This needs an editor. Yeah. You know, this is yeah. for me, yeah. this yeah. is so, at the stage where you get it yeah. to a publisher 
and the yeah. magistrate looks at it and goes, "Okay, you know, yeah. Yeah. we're 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 ready to 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 start making notes now, and for you to uh, to do your first yeah. sort of draft as a signed author, if you like." I, I yeah. think I think it's great. Fantastic. That's terrific. Thank you very much, John. Stick your numbers in, please. Um, Kate says, a less description at this point would make it stronger. That's the beginning. And I like the description of the garden, so perhaps it could be interspersed with story rather than dumping it all at once. And Terry says, engaged up to the garden. That's a flowery pit. Then switched off. Too much description. Came back, though. So up and down, up again. And he wished we were still talking about the box. Yes, keep the box. Galadriel. Um... Vagabond, who actually is our reader, so well, well worth listening to on this, says, I found this very competently written, but a bit too much description all at once. Um, SM, very tactile, visual writing, description need trimming, though. All they can write, says Hannah, feels overwritten as if it's trying too hard. I, I understand that. And Jay says, don't think Macbeth adds anything. I don't think it does, really, at this, at this stage. I, I, I'd stick with the box, yes. I think everyone says that. And I'd also stick with the atmosphere. I want to feel this oppressive atmosphere, actually. I think that's... Uh, it's, it's kind of getting there, but it's not quite as sticky and, you know, deep south, really, and kind of ooh, omnipresent and, and glowering as, as perhaps we need. What did you think, Johnny? I loved it. Uh, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Oh, look at your um, numbers. <gasps> My goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I hit the wrong buttons. No, I haven't. <laughs> I, I actually, I, f- I felt that it was really good. It, it, to me, a little bit of what John said, um, I think there's a publisher waiting to sort of work with this person. Um, the, the prose is fabulous. Uh, the atmosphere is great. The pacing of it for me was fabulous. Again, mm. I'm not big on descriptions, but the way uh, John, many, plenty John's about tonight, the way this John handled the actual, uh, you know, those descriptions didn't, I wasn't going, oh, shut up. No. I, I just, I went with it. I just love the atmosphere. Oh it was, to me, I could see, I could see this written, and you know, I could see myself reading this book, or if not me, if if the subject matter changes, it, it would look very, very classy, very, very um, excellent. Wow, wow, wow! Well, it's I mean, gosh, it's oh, well, just. Could I just sorry, could I just say? I forgot to say, mm. uh, and, and I'm not a big fan of the prologue, but when a prologue is handled correctly, as this mm-hmm. was. Mm. Um, I think mm. it, it adds, right. or it, it really adds something to it. it, it you, wow. you know, you've got the mystique, you've got the lovely sort of just opening line of you know the, her fi- finding the box, yeah. and bang, three deaths, bash, bash, bash. You know, really lovely. Yeah, yeah. sold on it for me. Wow. Uh, looks, yeah, absolutely, Kate. It looks like we have a new monthly um, winner. Actually, seventy nine, seventy nine. Wasn't expecting that at all. But that just goes to, to show nobody knows anything in films or publishing. <laughs> that is the truth. That is the truth. I swear to you. Um, now I need to. I need to. I need to do something else. What do I need to do? Yeah, I need to. <clears throat> excuse me, everybody. Um, I just need to ask our uh, two wonderful panelists. By the way, how's it been for you, John, today? Your first time. Stressful. I've loved Anxiety it. Anxiety producing Absolutely PTSD. Loved it. <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. Um, uh, yeah, no I, it, it's been it's been a bit tense at times, and a bit yes. sort of. Am I doing? You know, am I am yeah. I being generous enough? Am I being too generous? But no. yeah, no, yeah. I've 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 loved it, and and we've had some fantastic pieces of writing we today. Have. I think you. We have. I, yeah. th- I think I think there are two people who uh, at least two two writers to watch. I mean, for me, John uh, Wigglesworth mm. and Lucy yeah. Ash. 
Yeah, fantastic. Um, with uh, I can't remember the white fire guy's name, but you know, there's real potential there, and all five of them. Yeah, you know, that's, have, that's Simon. Have, that's Simon. Yeah. Simon, yeah. There is lots of potential there too. Yes, thank you so much for contributing. You've you've had an excellent review by Eva, which is all we listen to these days, really. Um, Fantastic. So I want to ask you, both of you, please, and also revert to the genius room. The only thing I'm concerned about with this submission, The Strangeness of Ordinary Things, is the title. Is... I haven't had time to look it up myself. Um, I know that I think Terry and the genius room said there are lots of lots and lots of Google hits for that. Uh, it's it's it would be a problem if there has been something else out there in the past ten years or so that actually was huge and you know a film starring Tom Cruise or something. I've just completely missed it. Can anyone in the genius room give me sort of reassurance that this title really is is you know it's pretty original? It's not just a lift from somebody else. I would appreciate that in the next few moments. Um, let's go back to the genius room now and see. Need to bring John back. They're already campaigning to have you back on the show, John. It's amazing. <laughs> nice. okay, very good standard of sub says says Kate. Great guest as always. Thanks everyone. Eek, yes. Well, SM Worsey actually was our previous monthly winner. So oh. this, we are, it's entirely your fault, John. She will not be inviting you back, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Actually, we, Johnny scored it higher than I did. <laughs> all right, all right. Pass the buck, why don't you? Blame um, him. Don't blame me, SM. <laughs> okay, so Annie, thank you so much, Annie. Well, we've just been bantering here, and he's actually done done the hard work that none of us have done, and I should have done. And says, there's a philosophy book called The Strangeness of the Ordinary 1990s. Um, so I think it's okay. That's fabulous. Thank you so much. That actually means... It sounds a little bit like the incredible likeness of being, that sort of thing. It does. It, it does. It that, that it was pushing that button for me. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's exactly. That's exactly right. But of course, that's what it means. That's right. Wow. John, look at that, 79. That's a hell of a score. And it does mean... That means you're our show winner, and you have zoomed into the lead now as our monthly winner. Congratulations, John. Well-deserved. But... There's one more show this month, and we don't know what's going to happen on that. I do know it's going to be fun, and I do know that we've had a great time tonight with John and Johnny and the fabulous people in the Genius Room, and, of course, Kate, Rachel, and Emily, without whom nothing would be possible, but most of all, the wonderful authors who send us their work. Thank you, folks. See you next time.
the sky.